Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. He made news recently as the 44 year old millionaire who has started giving away his wealth, believing that those who have much have a responsibility to give back. He is now CEO of a company that he envisioned back in 2015 as one that would disrupt the brokerage industry. He's also a well-known name in the forex trading world. Mario Singh has worn many hats in the money world. Investor, forex trader, entrepreneur. His first business was, nope, not in the money market, but in Spick and Span. That was a home cleaning business. So how has he come so far since and what has he learned about self-mastery and finances? It's a subject he writes about in his new book. It's going to be launched October the 9th, The Magical Rule of Three. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. And today you get to meet Mario Singh, entrepreneur and author. Good morning, Mario. Hi, Michelle. Great to have you here. All right. So from the title of the book, you know, it sounds almost magical and easy, but it wasn't easy for you, was it? When you were 16, you lost your father. Your mother had to raise three children single-handedly. So you weren't born with a silver spoon, were you? What was your early attitudes towards money? And what were your early motivators when it came to making money, Mario? Well, the key thing for me was at a point of time literally just survival and I think one of my defining moments in life as I, I when I lost my dad was really like fatherly figures that came to me mm. so I had very early mentors and I think that was one of the more crucial defining steps uh, you know where they kind of pulled me out of the doldrums and and just set me on the path so I'm, I'm a big believer in mentorship which is something I try to do uh, with people around me that I try to guide them based on what I have learned over the years uh, that has really helped me to cut short my learning curve. So I'm a big believer in that. All right. So you say that your early attitude towards money was probably looking at it with a survivor's a view of a survivor. But did that have to change so that you could build revenue streams for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I also believe in the fact that, you know, many people are more interested in at least the, the keywords of well-being and security first, even before they were to launch into things like abundance and financial freedom and, you know, and stuff like that. Hmm. Which is one of the reasons why even in my foundation, I have a foundation now called Soul Rich Foundation. One of our key pillars is, is the word well-being. I use the word well-being. So I think that is important. People obviously want to take care of their own personal needs and security first before even they start thinking about launching you know, further into the deeper. All right. So when you look back at the milestones towards your success, what would you say was some of the key turning points for you? Well, definitely uh, when I met specific people in my life and I can uh, you know, absolutely count on the fact that... So I'll give, I'll give you one example. Okay. The turning point when it comes to money, right? Um, so I came out of university in NUS with third class honours, so shattered my mom's dreams, right? Oh. You know, third class honours and couldn't really find a job anywhere. And what really uh, set me on the path towards, you know, in, in quote-unquote, the money track was when I met um, two mentors, and they were from the U.S., all right? Uh, one of them is a very famous person. Her name is Kathy Lin, in fact. So Kathy actually comes to Singapore uh, fairly frequently. She's featured, like, all over the world in CNBC and Bloomberg and, and, and the like. And I remember very distinctly when I went to Kathy, and I said, Kathy, would you mentor me? Would you teach me all that I need to know? You know, in terms of strategies, how do I approach the market uh, from the currency perspective and all of that. And I realized that I really had to, you know, in a sense, empty my cup 
uh, in all the notions that I had about money, all oh, like rich people are, are the ones that are really bad. So I had to, you know, put down all these beliefs in my mind and start literally becoming a student into the world of money. All right. So would you say your foothold in the currency market was key to you being able to build your wealth? Oh, that is absolutely, it's a, that's a resounding yes, Michelle, because, and I'll, and I'll tell you why, all right? Because when it comes to the currency market, to me, it is the building block of literally any financial asset. I'll give you a quick example, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say, when I use the word that currencies are literally the, the lowest common denominator, I mean, if you look at the entire financial market, you have stocks, you have bonds, you have currency, you have property, you've got so many different things. You've got cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. But let's just say an investor from Japan, if he wants to, in a sense, maybe buy a property in Singapore, well, the first thing he's got to do is to exchange his Japanese yen into the Singapore dollar before then using that money to buy a Singapore property. So in that small sense, he is affecting the SGD-JPY exchange rate. So this is why I keep sharing with people, you know, one of the main building blocks for me, in fact, the most significant part was understanding the currency market because once you understand that, it literally gives you a lens into how you would be viewing finance all over the world. Great insight for our listeners. And just to clarify, you didn't study business. You didn't study, this was all self-taught or you went to Cathy Lien because you were attending a course? Yeah, so I came out with chemi- uh, chemical engineering, my third class honors, which has literally nothing to do with finance. You know, so early on, I had a couple of business mentors that set me on the path towards how I understand, you know, all those buzzwords like vision, ambition, focus, resilience. So that's part of the reason why personal success is a big part for me in the book. But then coming into the money world, all right, I had specific mentors and they don't come bigger than Kathy Lean and Ed Ponzi. Those were my early mentors Mm -hmm. that set me on the path uh, into making uh, you know, reasonable success in the currency market. And what did Cassie say when you asked her to mentor you? Well, <laughs> that's a great question, you know. I, I, I think she, she had never really um, had someone like that in a sense that was really just chasing after her. Yeah. And in one of my earlier books, she, she gave me a, a very nice accolade. Now she said, Mario is the king of Forex in Asia. And I, I'm really, really appreciative of, of the things that she has poured into me. The stuff that I learned, literally, and Kathy is like the queen, you know, in, in, in the entire Forex world. The way she dissects technical analysis, fundamental analysis, I think that was one of the best things that she poured into me. I'm, I'm really grateful for what she has done for me. Well, you're fortunate. You have terrific mentors. And here you are mentoring all of us this morning in Money and Me's Mario Singh. What I like about this book is uh, The Magical Rule of Three. You simplify a lot of the complexity of understanding markets. You mentioned their stocks, their bonds. You, you talk about economies in your book. Now, we both know that this field is crammed with jargon that keeps yeah. so many interested in investing away because they're just daunted, you know. So help us understand how you view what is happening in markets now in your own way. So in your book, you say financial markets are governed by emotion. So maybe I'll use that framework. What is the dominant emotion now running markets? How does that relate to where money is moving into? Yeah, sure. That's a great question. So the way I approach it, and I, I find this is a very good framework for all our listeners. So when I use the word that it is being dominated by emotions, I want to talk specifically about two dominant emotions, all right? Or maybe four, all right? So. Okay. If you, if you look at it on two poles, right, on one end, you have what I would term as fear and panic. On right on the other pole, you've got something called hope and greed. Now, markets are always pulled in between these two emotions. So once we understand the dominant emotions, fear and panic on one side, 
hope and greed on the other side, using that as a lens into how we approach the market, that helps. So that's point one. Now let me talk a little bit about point two. So point two, if the markets are being gripped by, by say, hope and greed, then you will have what we term as the risk assets starting to run. So risk assets will be things like, say, the cryptocurrency market or the stock market or even the uh, commodity-backed currencies like the Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar, the Canadian dollar. All right? mm-hmm. So now if, you, if the markets are being gripped by, say, fear and panic, you then start seeing the bond market taking off. You start seeing the, uh, the safe haven currencies taking off like the Swiss franc, the Japanese yen, the US dollar, and and obviously gold as well. All right. Really great insights. Uh, People are going to come to this book because they want to know how Mario Singh, the entrepreneur, became CEO of Fullerton Markets. Um, But Mm -hmm. take us back to the early days. In terms of strategies of trading, what worked well for you? Well, I I have a framework, which I also discuss in the book. In part two of the book, I I write seven chapters on money. Mm -hmm. So there's one where I basically talk about the three laws of making money. Right? I, I call it strategies, money management, and state of mind. So essentially, these three circles, they come together. Now, in terms of specific strategies, I know it sounds so simple, right? But in the end, there are really only three or four strategies. You've got the buy strategy, the sell strategy, and the hold strategy. And the whole strategy simply means you're not doing anything. Michelle, there is so much wisdom when it comes specifically to going into the financial markets, into what I would term as following the trend. You probably have had a thousand guests tell you the same thing, but I can tell you it is absolute gold wisdom. And here's the reason why. Why is it wisdom for us to be following the trend? Well, simply because momentum is building on one side. I'm sure our listeners, you know, who, who have, you probably watched the movie Finding Nemo, right? Many, many years ago. Many of us enjoyed that movie. Love it. There was a particular scene in that movie where the turtles, you know, they were flowing through the Australian current, right? So, and they were hardly flapping their, their flippers. Why? Because they were moving in flow. They're moving in flow. So when you're letting the market carry you, in that sense, by following the trend, you're following the momentum and it pays you absolutely to follow the momentum. If the markets are going up, you click buy. Markets are coming down, you click sell. Let's not be counterintuitive. Let's just follow the trend. So first of all, you've got to be able to plot those trend lines. Well, yes. I mean, visually, everyone would would be able to see, right? In a sense, like if the markets are moving higher, those who are a bit more technical when we look at the chart. And I know sometimes, you know, for some of our uh, beginners, like, oh, Mario, I don't understand charts. I don't understand numbers. But really, that's all that it is. Visually, people can tell when things are moving up or when things are coming down. So in a sense, when things are going up, the problem with most novice investors or, or traders, we tend to jump ahead of the curve. Shall we, we start to tell ourselves, oh, it's moved so high already. I think it is bound to come down. And that's the biggest reason why the markets take people out. Okay, I'm just going to throw this one in because I've heard a lot of people talking about this. Do you think uh, the introduction of algorithms throws that um, way of looking at markets into turmoil quite a bit? You know, we're seeing the Robinhood investors come in on, on apps. Do you think the way algorithms are part of the game of markets now could affect how markets move? Yes and no. Well, that really depends on the liquidity of the market. I mean, you have, you have the smaller AI players and you have those that are so huge out there. You have, you have companies like uh, Two Sigma. You've got companies like Renaissance Technologies who are some of the kingpins of the world mm. that are really using AI technology. 
you, right? So at the end of the day, it, it boils down to how much they are trading and affecting liquidity right. as a result of that. But what I would say is this, Michelle, that AI um, definitely has its place. It has its place in helping us to regulate our emotions. The main reasons and the main problems why people don't make sustainable income from the market mm. is simply because we allow our emotions all right, to jump ahead of ourselves. So you would always see the best investors, day in, day out, are the ones that are able to successfully compartmentalize their emotions, never letting their emotions run ahead of themselves. You know, they are always sticking to the plan. All right, on that theme of self-awareness, in your Mm -hmm. book you mention efforts to offer clients access to Bitcoin in the chapter on self-awareness being an important part of running a business. So help us understand the link between how awareness of yourself and a decision to include cryptocurrency as an option for clients of Fullerton Markets. What's the link there? Well, I think the key, the, the, the key is really that one word, right? Self-awareness. Now, no two people are the same. Some people like to eat mirobos. Some people like to eat nasi goreng. Some people prefer hall fun. So every, every, every single person is different. So the most key step really is that one word, self-awareness. Some people like Bitcoin because they like a bit of drama. They like the fact that it has run up the last seven days. It's closing in on 11,000, I believe, in terms of the Bitcoin price now. Mm. So understanding your own dominant nature as to making money, what would that entail? And this is where I would go, you know, I think I have a chapter in, uh, in, in, it's probably the last chapter of uh, part two when I talk about money. In terms of, uh, you know, investing diversification, all right, and this was actually built on the wisdom of Ray Dalio, who's one of my heroes. Yeah, right? too. Rich Water Associates. Mm. So he talks about diversification across direction, assets, and countries. These three main criteria, and why I would actually add Bitcoin into the fold is because that is something you cannot afford to ignore anymore. This is the new way. You know, so many people are interested in finding out what exactly is the crypto uh, currency market doing. So. Tying in two things, Michelle, you know, number one, understanding self-awareness, understanding you as a person, what ticks you, you know, if you are making money in stocks or currencies or bonds, continue doing that, all right, because I'm a big believer of what works, don't change it. That's the reason why wheels today are still round, because it worked, right? So does this mean that as a Forex trader, you were wary of cryptocurrency and then you had to come to a point of self-awareness about Bitcoin to offer your clients access to crypto? For sure. I'm someone who was fairly successful in the currency market. So if someone were to ask me, Mario, what gave you that success? And I had such huge belief in the currency market because I made my money there. But at the same time, over the last couple of years, when many people came to me and said, Mario, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin? What do you think about Ethereum? And, and those are things that are now currently opening up. So what has made us a certain level of success the last 10 years may or may not apply for us going into this new decade in the 21st century. So I'm always open to ideas and I'm always studying new trends. And that's for me is where self-awareness is so important. Okay, I'm going to pick your brain on those new trends that you are studying. Are you bullish on cryptocurrencies? I mean, besides Bitcoin, do you think that some cryptocurrencies can be as good a store of value as gold now? Well, that's a big word huh? when you use the word store of value. And here's the part of the reason why many central banks to some extent don't really buy into the cryptocurrency world. And, and the reason is the exact words that you use, store value, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in terms when they are printing their own fiat currency, when they say, oh, money in its purest sense must be either a store of value or a medium of exchange. Mm. So that's part of the reason why many central banks in a sense 
don't really buy into the cryptocurrency world yet because it's not really a store of value. So that having the backdrop, the context of our discussion, now moving forward, when you see China taking the lead, you know, and wanting to be doing that. In fact, even Singapore, yeah. many years ago, we had something called Project Ubin, which yes. MAS is really looking at, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is what you call when they are pushing barriers, when they're starting to see, look, this could be the new trend. So I'm really excited about some of the, the, the key turning points of how central banks are starting to look at the cryptocurrency market. But that's slightly different. That's digital currencies as opposed mm. to Ethereum or Bitcoin uh, linked mm. to the blockchain, right? So are you bullish on digital currencies? Are you interested in that area? I'm interested in absolutely both of them. You know, moving towards 2020 and beyond, right? You know, there are just so many things that... And I'll give you one example from, say, the business world. Mm. You know, if you're looking at companies like, say, Tesla, where over the last couple of years, the way they have built their electric energy cars, all right, uh, or, or rather their, their electric cars, have really crushed companies like, say, Ford and GM, when they've been around for, for decades. So these are the key turning points that's been happening. So when it comes specifically to, say, cryptocurrency and digital currencies, mm. I would say for the next 10 or 20 years, it is absolutely something that we have to be looking at. All right. I can't let you, you know, be with us on Money and Me and not get your thoughts on the currency Mm -hmm. markets. So in your book, you give us a primer on where money moves to in the currency market with your model of fear and panic, uh, safe Mm -hmm. haven, risk assets. I wonder if you can give us sort of a condensed version of what you're seeing in currency markets right now. Yeah, so that's a a, a key statement when you say right now. You know, I, I I have a model in where I talk about emotions, fear, panic, hope, and greed. But currently what we're looking at, I think mm. the markets are gripped by really one key thing, Michelle, and that's the November presidential elections that's coming. I think right now, in fact, like all over the world, is, they're having their first presidential debate between Trump and Biden. So here's what I'm seeing now. All right, okay. markets are a bit spooked in a sense that the U.S. dollar is dropping, okay? Because they don't really understand what's going to happen. Is Trump going to win again? Is Joe Biden going to upset him with his running mate Kamala Harris? So, Currently, what we are seeing, and at least for the next one whole week, will be what I would term as dollar weakness. So with dollar weakness, how do you pair that specifically in different asset classes? Well, number one, you'll see gold running up. Okay, So gold is the quintessential asset class that people are looking at. Currently, gold is just under $1,900. If it breaks 1009 I think it can go up a little bit more to about 1950 So that's looking at gold specifically. If you're looking at, say, indexes, I feel indexes in the U.S. again would tend to rise a bit more. And the reason is because the central banks, the Federal Reserve itself, has said that they are on standby to actually pump a lot more money into the system. So when that happens, all right, cheap money will always find its way into the, the stock markets, which is why you're seeing the top three stock markets. You're seeing the S&P, you're seeing NASDAQ, you're seeing the Dow Jones all running up. One quick last thought on the currency market, mm. specifically how does the dollar weakness apply now to the currency market? Well, if you look specifically, two, I'm looking uh, this morning, in fact, at two currency pairs, the Australian dollar, as in the Aussie versus the US dollar, and the Kiwi versus the US dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, those two countries, Australia and New Zealand, I think they've done a fairly good job in containing uh, COVID-19 in terms of the break of the second wave. Right. So you're actually seeing that running up because it's pairing with dollar weakness. You're seeing Aussie and Kiwi having a small uptrend now.
Terrific. He's written The Magical Rule of Three. His name is Mario Singh. Mario, when you put a book out that Mm -hmm. talks about money, people are going to focus on your money. So I have to ask, what's been your best performing asset? Well, over the years, I think for me, I've done fairly decently in the the currency market over all these years, you know, setting up companies. And I find when the companies are doing well itself, uh, that that gives me um, a, a... a, a good lifestyle in a sense. You know? So I talked about this in the book as well when I spoke about three types of income. Uh, basically, in the money uh, chapter, I talked about the active income, the passive income, and I use the word investive income. I don't even think it is in the Oxford Dictionary, but, I, but investive income. You know, so if someone wants to build wealth, I, I, I talk about these three pillars, right? So I think active income, passive income, people more or less understand those words. But investing, I think it really helps someone to understand the financial market. Yeah. And you can pay you huge dividends, you know, regardless of whether you put your money in the currency market, the bond market or the stock market, mm. but really get ourselves educated. And I think that's, that's, that is of paramount importance. So in terms of ROI, is it that investive market that's uh, mm-hmm. brought you the most gains? Or would you say entrepreneurship, starting businesses? Well, I would, I would say in the early days, for me, it was the financial markets, mm. right? And then once that had stabilized as a portfolio for me, when I started looking at businesses and investing in businesses and obviously running my own business, mm. uh, that makes up now a, a fairly significant part for me in the money basket, so to speak. Okay, but we know in Singapore about only one in 10 people actually have a brokerage account. So a lot of room for people to understand this uh, investive market, as you say. Now, in your third book, uh, Secret Conversations with Trading Tycoons, you talk mm. about your work in investment markets. I wonder if you can share one lesson from that book that resonated with you, maybe once secret conversation with a trading tycoon that has stayed with you? Yeah, I was very deeply impressed with, in fact, all of them. But one person I felt that was really good was Ray Barrow. So I put that uh, interview in the center of my third book. So when I had that interview with Ray Barrows, and I, uh, Ray is someone that's really respected throughout the financial markets. You know, when I listened to his story, Michelle, and, and his story was essentially after he, he kind of paid his dues in understanding how to trade the markets well, he turned $20 million to close to a billion dollars. Wow. But of course, that took him like 20 years. So when I spoke to him, I said, Ray, Tell me the one secret, right, about how you were able to do that. How were you able to multiply the money from $20 million to all the way close to a billion dollars? And he used this one word. He said, Mario, it was nothing but pure resilience. And that's it. Because at the end of the day, that is the most underrated strategy in the whole world of success. Many people give up simply because we find that, oh, success is not coming too near. You know, we tend to completely overestimate what we can achieve in one month but we completely underestimate what we can do in one year or two years. So really it's about keeping at it, getting better at it, honing our craft. Resilience is the key, Michelle. All right. Mario, you have two children, age 8 and 10. What do your mm-hmm. children think about you giving your wealth away? Next year, you plan to give $100,000 away? Yes, that's, that's the plan, to finally up uh, my, the donations into my, my charity, Soul Rich Foundation. Well, the first thing they actually asked me when news broke in the streets, I said, Daddy, are you a millionaire? And they were so excited, you know, Michelle, their eyes were wide open. <laughs> but I think one of the most important things, I really bring them, they start to understand why. I think it's important as we grow, um, it's not not just about taking care of ourselves it's really about uh, how we then take care of our fellow human being all right how do we have the levels of compassion and care so i think they understand that especially when we go out on our trips uh, 
under Soul Rich Foundation, we support organizations like Food from the Heart and Willing Heart. So we, we help out in the soup kitchen. We, we go for food deliveries. We deliver bread all over Singapore. So when they come on these trips, I think that is the best lesson. When they come alongside and start doing it as a family, they do understand these principles that we are trying to teach them. All right. And finally, uh, why did you decide to call the book The Magical Rule of Three? Is it three to the power of three or is it just Great the magical question. rule of three? <laughs> and I'm going to answer it in two, two parts. Okay, let me talk about the word magic first. I kid you not, Michelle, if you, if you look at the Oxford Dictionary now, mm-hmm. you know how they would define the word magic? They define the word magic as the secret power of making impossible things happen by saying special words or doing special things. I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's abracadabra right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I really wanted to have the word magical there. And now the rule of three is basically, you know, when when you combine like say three entities, I think it gives you the 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 punch for the the smallest amount of information that allows people to retain it. And we see it all the time. You see it in stories like the three little pigs or the three musketeers. You know, in slogans you see it in Nike like just do it or McDonald's. I'm loving it. So when I combined it, and for me, I realized all over all these years, I do think in terms of three. You know, it exasperates my my staff to no end when I send them an email. And I just put in the subject here, I say three things, you know, like get these three things done. And, and that's how I realized I've taught, I, 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 you know, my, my, my thought process. So in the entire book, every single thing that I write is really in rules of three. Examples like three areas of success, three types of goals, three areas of wealth creation, three roles of a CEO. You know, things like that I feel can really help people to grasp it and then to apply it as well. Fantastic insights. Uh, Great book. So much of you in it as well. Lovely talking to you, Mario. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Nisha. The Magical Rule of Three is his book. We've been speaking with Mario Singh, author and entrepreneur. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.